Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, who are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. I'm so glad you read that. Some of you are like, why has he got two Bibles? What's going on there? I'm so glad you read that because my eight-year-old nearly came with me tonight and then I figured the problem would be, she's like, Daddy, what's circumcision? <laughs> it's an awkward word. I've never heard that read at a wedding. Anybody else? That's never appearing in new versions, verse of the day kind of thing. And uh, it's an awkward passage, so thank you for reading it. Let's pray together. I'm going to call it the C word from now on. No, that's awkward as well. Right, let's just pray. Father, we um, thank you for your presence with us. Thank you that we never have to say, Lord, would you be with us, because you are with us. Lord, thank you that you guarantee your presence by your Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we invite you and we welcome you, and we invite you to move amongst us. Lord, that you would take the written word of God, and Lord, that you would open it to our hearts. And Lord, that you would prompt us in areas where you really want us to move forward on. Lord, that you'd help us. Lord, don't help us, Lord. Lord, we want to move on. We don't want to be where we are. Help us realize all that you've done for us. 
Amen. Paul, I'm so happy where you're going with this passage because those who, it's written to men, right? Men, if you let yourself be, you have to obey the whole law. I'm really glad where he went with this because I don't know what I do. Circumcision is not on my to-do list. I know there's a backlog of uh, operations over there as well, so that's bought us some time. But I'm really glad. Jews, on the other hand, have the law of Moses, so it would resonate for them, this passage. For us, this passage doesn't even register. People are like, what are they talking about, this whole thing? I don't understand why this is coming into our, our conversation, Paul. The thing is, the church in that day was in a bit of a transition period. It started in Jerusalem, this thing that happened, the Holy Spirit descending, tongues of fire, that kind of passage. And then it's moved out towards the ends of the earth eventually. But it's in this kind of bit of a no man's land on the way out there to the ends of the earth. It's kind of Jewish, and people know it's kind of Jewish, but it's being birthed in areas that are very non-Jewish, the Gentiles. And there are these group of people called the Judaizers who are saying, hey, if you're going to become a Christian, if you're going to follow Christ, then you need to obey the whole law of Moses. And that was the tension that we find ourselves here today. So let me ask you a question if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Are you an Old Testament Christian or are you a New Testament Christian? Anybody fancy themselves? Will Triffitt, you fancy yourself. Come on, can you just come up for a moment? Everybody just give Will a, a, a hand for being a, a willing volunteer. Will, I, I just noticed you've been working out. You're very active. You, uh, Jake pointed out you're really active. Can you just hold these out? As, I mean, they're pretty light, aren't they? They're quite light. Yeah, okay. Could you just hold them out as long as possible? Let's just see how we go there. And somebody just start timing him. Oh, no, no. Three, somebody time him, yeah? Can somebody just, should we just give him three, two, one and let him go for it? Three, two, one, let you go, go for it. Let's just go for that. And um, what do I mean by the Old Testament Christian versus New Testament Christian? I think it's fairly helpful to explain from me being at school. I used to cycle three miles to school every single day, and on my way to school, I would pray a prayer. Initially, it started like this, Lord, I don't want to swear today. I've got a potty mouth, help me not swear today. I changed my prayer because that didn't work. Lord, help me not say the F word 20 times, Lord, today. Help me only use that particular word that... I hate using, help me only say it like five times. That was my genuine prayer on the way to school. The only problem with that prayer is literally every single day I felt like a failure. Because once I got to school, football, other things going on, I just failed in that mission to clean up my potty mouth. I just couldn't do it. Did I swear less? Hell no. I, I wasn't able to improve my language at all. The problem is at church... I was a very different kind of young person to the one at school. I was that kind of Christian teenager. I held it together in church with my parents, but at school, very different kind of language. The message at church, and this is just how it is, even if it's not explicit, the implicit message is this. Don't swear. Don't drink too much. You're an Anglican, you can drink a little bit. Don't take drugs. Don't gamble. Don't lust. Don't watch TV programs that are in 18. Don't play Call of Duty zombies. Don't do these things. And eventually, you realize, is this what Christianity is? Performance. That I've got to somehow live up to a particular expectation. A list of do's and don'ts. I tried so hard to do this. Basically, don't have fun. That was the implicit message I got from church. And there was a replacement set of things that you should do. Hang out with the right people. Pray a lot. Pray more, in fact. 
read the Bible a lot. In fact, we sang these stupid songs about it. Do you remember this song? I think it's a little bit stupid. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. I don't think it's true. It just clocks up spiritual air miles, makes you feel good about yourself. You're doing really well, Will. What, what are we on at the moment? It's, it's hurting. That, that's really good. And we have another uh, message which infuses a lot of our conferences. It's, it's this. If you're struggling, if you're feeling bad about yourself, recommit yourself to God. Recommit yourself to God again. And again. And maybe the next year again. And you go along. You're doing really well. And you're a recommitment king or queen. This is what you've learned how to do to recommit myself. And hope that that issue that you're facing will become a thing of the past. That that sense of condemnation will become a thing of the past. And you go great for a first couple of weeks, a couple of months, and then you fail. In January this year, looking at you, um, in January this year, you may have heard about an underwater volcano in Tonga. Anybody come across that story? Apparently something like... Uh, 18 megatons, I don't even know what that is, 18 megatons of energy was released from underneath the water. That's like a thousand Hiroshima's take at the same time. The, the, the noise of this was heard 10,000 miles away in Alaska. A big deal. Tsunami was created, three people died. It was equivalent in power to something that happened in 1883, a different volcano that cost the lives of 30,000. A big deal. The issue is... Not the volcano. The issue is not the volcano. We all know that, don't we? Right now, about 20 miles away, there's a youth... Come on. <laughs> 20 miles away, no joke, there's, there's a, a UV-free zone that's 1,000 degrees. Do you realize that? And it's underneath our feet, right? A thousand, uh, 20 miles away, underneath this, we're in the crust, right? 25 miles, 20, 20 miles... Let's give you a round of applause. You, you can go. Will, what do we clock up? Half a second off four minutes. Eventually you're going to fail. You tried so hard. There were moments. I don't know what happened when I was looking this way, but I'll trust that you weren't cheating uh, just there. You don't need suntan lotion down there. But that's where the problem is, isn't it? 25 miles underneath our feet. It's called the mantle, and it's ridiculously hot. You get closer to the core, it's like quadruple the thousand degrees C. It's crazy stuff. That's where our problem is. And the shifting tectonic plates, you learn all about this in geography. Let's go with geography. Could have been chemistry, who knows what I learned it in. Do you still learn that stuff anymore? Yeah, great, love it. How on earth does this apply? I believe that as Christians, we run around with metaphorical giant corks trying to plug these volcanoes in our lives and just like trying to cram it down, running up from one explosion, eruption, and crazy situation to another. One moment when we fail to another moment when we fail. And we feel bad about ourselves. We're running like headless chickens to do that. And that never resolves the, the underlying problem, which essentially is underneath the surface of our lives. Failure is a location for us as Christians, and it's worse for us as Christians because we've got this sense of law, sense of rules, sense of expectations, morals, a moral code. And so we feel this kind of sense of failure more keenly than other people. And we may even envy other people who aren't Christians, people who don't go to church, who seem to feel free to do what they want and have no sense of conscience about it. 
Failure is a location, and it's a place where Satan loves to hang out with you. Loves to hang out. Let's just spend some time there. Feel sorry about yourself. Feel rubbish. In Galatians, and this is helping us just frame the whole chapter, circumcision stands for a religion of human achievement. What we can do in our own strength. It's what we can do by keeping the law by keeping ourselves pure, by doing some of those things that look like very godly things to do, and maximizing our effort to please God. Verse 3 says this, Every man who lets himself be circumcised is now obliged to obey the whole law. But the law doesn't work. Never did. The law doesn't work. It makes you feel like a failure. Only one person could fulfill the law. You'd have to be perfect to do that. If you try hard to get in God's good books, what Paul calls being justified by the law, you will fail. And we'll hang out in that place again. This is John 1.17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Chinese Christian in the 20th century, a guy called Watchman Nee, who sits behind a lot of the 24-7 prayer that you've heard, some of that, that kind of stuff. He asked this question. He said, what does it mean for us as Christians to be delivered from the law. What's that look like? And he said this. It means that from here on in, from this moment forward, I am not ever going to try and please God. I'm not going to do it. I give up trying to please you, God. <laughs> that sounds like heresy, right? Mark's feeling really uncomfortable. If I don't know what would have happened if Andy was here tonight on, on that moment daggers, who knows what. I am going to do nothing for God. I am never going to please try and please him. But Watchman, he goes on and he tries to unpack that. He says, listen, when I try to please God in my own strength, I place myself underneath the law. I put myself under the rules and, of, of, the, of Moses and beyond. Hebrews eleven six underlines this. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's not interested in you trying really hard and then propping you up when you come short. God's interested in living through you. And this is a message as much to people who may not have even started that walk with Christ yet. All those who have been walking with Christ, like me, I've been a Christian since I was, what, eight years old? I'm 43 in a couple of weeks. That's a long time following after God, and I still get this wrong. I can't help it. I go back there. If you put into your search engine the word help in the Old Testament and you link it to the word prayer, you get 40 responses. 40 times in the Psalms and other places, there's prayers of petition where they say, God, help us. You rerun that search, but you run it through the New Testament. You know you get zero. You get zero results for help and prayer. Do you think it, it's not a banned word, people? It's, it's not like this is a banned word, you can't say help. I, I did it. Did you hear me at the very start? I was like, oh, and help is God. No, no, I can't say that because that's not what I'm preaching about. I can't say help. I can say help. It's not a banned word. But it's not how we should act. It's not where we should be in, in our Christian life, which sounds just crazy, right? We'll get to it. What marks out Christianity from every other religion is that we're saved by grace alone through faith alone in a person. 
It's crazy, that idea, that we're saved by grace through faith in a person, through Jesus Christ. It makes no sense. Try harder Christianity starts with a big do and don't list. But real Christianity starts with a big done. It starts with a big done. What God has done for you in Christ Jesus. You know this verse. For God so loved the world, he so loved you, that he gave his one and own son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The legal charges that were against us were nailed to the cross along with Christ. The do's and don'ts were done in that moment. And that's the good news of the gospel. It's not about what we have to do. Christ stands for a religion of divine achievement. What God has done through the finished work of Jesus. To make sense of that, there's a verse earlier in, in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. It says this. Um, it, it says, I no longer live. I, I no longer. Oh, what's it mean? What's it say? I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Yeah, right. Bit of a tongue twister. Roll that back at half speed. Listen to this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That's insane. Who here feels kind of alive today? Kinda? 50%? 80%? Anybody pushing like 90%? 100% alive? That's insane language. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I don't understand that. It's strange language. Dead people are dangerous, right? I'm not talking about the zombie apocalypse here. I had a cat called Trevor. Trevor was one of those top cats who makes their way to the higher echelons of the feline community. And Trevor started off his life as a little thing like that. I've just plonked him on the stairs one day. Hey, uh, wife, here's what I bought for you. And, and Trevor came back home when he was quite young with a worm hanging out his mouth. Plonked it down. Check it out. Like, really? That's all you got, homie? Anyway, he took that to heart the next time he came back with a mouse. Okay, I kind of regretted putting him, uh, you know, like making him feel rubbish about himself at that moment. Comes back with a mouse. Plonks it down. The mouse runs around the house. That became a pattern for us. And he upgraded through things like mice. He moved on to a rabbit. A rabbit. He brought a rabbit in at about 1 a.m. Suddenly, I'm just aware of something in the bedroom. This kind of presence. I'm like, what is it? And he just dumped it on the bed. This rabbit. Switch on. They're like, what the heck is this? And it just jumps off and round and round. And we're chasing a rabbit in our bedroom at 1.30 in the morning. What is going on? He brought a squirrel. Sometimes they were dead. Sometimes they weren't. There was a test. The way to test whether something was alive was to poke it. Now, you've got to be ready what happens when you poke that thing. One time he brought a koi carp. Not even joking. He's made, I mean, I've got an upset neighbor down the street. He's made it over six-foot panels to get back to our house. He brings it through. This thing has been through. the, And it's a, it's a fish. How long do fish live without air? These are the kind of questions that I'm wondering. And he brings it down and just slaps it on there. And I'm thinking, that's 40 quid, mate. That's 40 quid right there. You're really costing me. This, this can't happen. Dig it real deep. Put it down the toilet. No, it'll stick the toilet. And we go over there. And it was one of those moments where you poked it. <laughs> that whole thing freaked us out. What on earth do you do with a, an alive fish? Can you just put it in normal water? Do we go back to the other neighbors? Who knows? Just for a moment. Um, 
in pairs if you're willing to do this. Don't feel compelled to. But one of you just play kind of dead. You know, you're going to be unresponsive. And the other person, just try and get a reaction out of that other person. Let's just see how this goes. If you're not willing to participate in this, just ignore it. Make it very clear that you are not up for that activity. Uh, but let's just spend a moment. See if you can get, make a, a response out of somebody. Uh, Jack's died. Could somebody just resurrect him? Okay, there's a couple of people. Anybody got a response out of somebody? Can you get a reaction down there? That is a reaction. I think a punch was just thrown in the middle of St. Mary's Longfleet. A punch was thrown. What happens when temptation or fear or anxiety or condemnation comes along and jabs you in the shoulder? Does it get a response? Parallel passage, Romans chapter 6, Paul explains, our old self was crucified with him, Jesus, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Was crucified. There might be some Greek geeks in the room who go, hey, that's like the, um, that's really interesting. That's the aorist tense. That means that thing happened once and for all. It's definitive. That's never going to need to be repeated. It was crucified. Done. A historical fact. We died to sin. Now we just need to work that stuff out. It's, it's an event. It's, it's located in real time. When Jesus hung on the cross and he spat out his last words with his final breath, it is finished. He created a moment that every single person who puts their trust in Jesus gets wrapped into. A moment of freedom. A moment where all that stuff that hangs against us falls to the floor. It can't hold on to us. In some senses, we have a Teflon coating. Things can't stick to us anymore as Christians unless we allow them to. What happened to Jesus physically happens to us spiritually. And that language is through the whole of Paul's work. You read Romans, it's there. You read Ephesians, it's there. Colossians, it's there. And here we find it in chapter 5 of Galatians. You go on into chapter 6, verse 11, and Paul says, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And those little Greek minds are just going, Hey, that's not the aorist tense. That's the present, continuous. That's good news. If was crucified was historical fact, this one, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, is present tense. You remind yourself of this stuff every single day. And that's the, different, that's the deal breaker. That's the thing that makes the difference for us. When we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, we identify with him in his death. And we're raised and we experience something of his resurrection life. The full power, this is crazy, this still as a kind of Christian going on however many years, this still messes me up. The full power of God is at work in each of us who believes in Christ. I don't know how, I don't understand it, but I know it to be true. It is for freedom that Christ sets you free. Anybody glad that I've not mentioned the C word for a little while? Yeah, me too. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Freedom from the requirements of the law. Freedom from the pressure of the rules. Freedom from trying harder and harder to defeat stuff that is kind of undefeatable in our lives. 
Freedom to experience something. Freedom to experience his love, his grace, his wonder, his care, his presence. But Andy, you just don't understand. You don't get it, man. You don't understand that I have this thing that's been spoken over my life. I can't shift it just through prayer. I believe in Jesus, but I, I, I still have this sense that I'm not good enough. But Andy, you don't understand. There's this sin that I can do really well for a long time, and then the right conditions, and I'm just taken out. And then I feel rubbish about myself. I understand that because I, I experienced that. But we don't get it. We don't get that this is not about personal feeling. This is about positional truth. This is about what the Word of God says. Some of us, we rely on what our experience says. We feel it, so it must be true. And we put our focus on the wrong thing. If you put your focus on your feelings, like all hell's going to break loose for you. But when you put your focus on the fact, and you keep reminding yourself of that fact every single day, count yourself dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus that you've been set free from the law, the feelings follow. The feelings will follow. There's no room for a message of works. You know, um, people often think, what about the stuff you do for God? There's a place for that, but you do it because you love God. My kid, eight years old, do the washing up. Do I get money? No, you get your hands wet. You get to play with bubbles. What's wrong with you? Do I get money? You do stuff not because of the reward you're going to get. You do stuff because God loves you. He's poured his love into your life. You do stuff because you love. And you love because he first loved you. She's got a lot to learn, that kid. Galatians 5, 6 says this. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. When we get this, the penny drops. It's revelation. It's God revealing something that's true to us. When you accept what God has done for you in Christ, you suddenly realize something. You realize that you're no longer like a sinner. You're not this sinner who just messes up all the time. That's no longer your identity. You're no longer this or that or the other. You're a saint who sins. You're a saint who sometimes gets it wrong. But you're someone who God dearly loves and wants to work through you. And that's the message tonight, as we come in to land on that. Many of us, we end up settling for a brand of Christianity that looks really holy, because it's framed around rules, but it has nothing to it, it's empty. We have what Paul writes in Timothy, he says, we have a form of godliness, but we deny its power. You know, invite the band to come up, but as they do so, let's just press pause and take a moment in prayer. Let's for a moment just invite the Lord just to illuminate, just to bring the things that he wants to raise for us. Father, we, um, Lord, it's so easy to take our eyes off you. 
Some of us have been Christians a long time and Lord, we still, by our actions, show that the law hangs over us. Some of us are really good at beating ourselves up and there might be some here tonight who, that's you. You're the world-class person at beating yourself up. Nobody else has to do it for you. You do a great job by yourself. If that's you tonight, as we go into worship time in a little bit, um, do come down the side or, or on the side or at the front here and there's people who will pray with you. You're really good at beating yourself up. The standards you set for yourself and yet God wants to reveal his love for you. There may be some who have a sense of anxiety and fear that you just can't kick. You've tried praying. I think that's a message from tonight. And it hasn't worked. God hasn't worked. Again, we'd just love to pray with you. just be a, a few people who they you're sitting there and you just want more if it's going I want it again if that's you and you just Lord all in two feet again do there's people who pray with you on the side Liz and at the front